Hi everybody, welcome back to another Gemini Talking. It's me, Sayana, the Gemini that's talking. And I haven't talked for a while because I've been living my life. And that's like right for me and whatever, but I want to do my freaking podcast. So welcome back. I haven't really done this because <laughs> literally for like one week, but I didn't really feel like talking about anything. Like I'm nothing was sticking out to me and nothing was sticking out to me either today but I was like I don't want to like stop doing this forever so I should try to keep doing it so I think I'm just gonna go back into euphoria birth charts and we're actually gonna like do this like speed round and try not to edit anything because I don't have a computer charger and we're at like 31% right now so um doing my best to utilize this and also hopefully I won't spend forever editing it so I thought we would go back to euphoria charts because I don't want this to get too far away from me like I feel like if I put it off any longer I might forget the reasoning but also I kept putting it off because I wanted to be a freaking perfectionist but that's okay I'm just gonna like speak from the heart and (laughs) you know do without what you will Okay, so we are moving on to Maddie Perez. I was going to do Jules next, but it just, it wasn't hitting. So Maddie, I gave her the birth day of January 31st, 2001 at 9.05 a.m. in East Highlands, California. This makes her an Aries rising to the zero degree. Um, It also gives her an Aquarius sun and a Taurus moon. And... Let me, (laughs) I don't know. I'm kind of looking at this and I'm like, why did I pick this? Um, Okay, definitely Aries Rising because she's just a fiery bitch. Also, like, Aries Risings tend to be the most intuitive to me because all the house placements line up with their um, natural ruler. And I feel like this puts, like, a natural confidence in a person and an intuitive understanding of how life works. And I feel like she just is like that. Also, I feel like Aries is kind of surface level. And with Maddie, it's, like, very what you see is what you get. Um, And then we know that she's probably an Aquarius sun, if not a Capricorn sun, because she had her birthday party a few years years a few weeks after new year's day and i don't know she feels more aquarian to me personally i also feel like before all of this there was a lot of discourse about her being a leo which i kind of never saw i feel like people put that on her because of the idea of confidence is tied to leo in some ways but like she definitely doesn't do it in the leo way like i feel like she's so comfortable in being her unique self and that's like everything that kind of Cassie is in and that's why Cassie like wants to be exactly like Maddie but like no one can do it like her she's Maddie Perez um and you can see she's an Aquarius in her style having her son in the 11th house like I feel like elevates this possibility for people to project on her Um, they're like hopes and dreams kind of like I feel like she seems like the type of person everyone wants to be because they see how confident she is in being her own unique self 
I also really do think she's a Taurus moon because of her love for all things luxurious. And also, I I think she is firing some aspects of her life. Like, her approach to the world, she's naturally pretty um, Mars-driven, Aries. But I do think when it comes to her internal needs, she definitely, like, needs... Like, security is number one in that. And I I feel like with what you've seen from her home life, it definitely comes from a lack of that at home. I struggle with putting her moon in the first house because I'm not sure that, like, she necessarily shows her moon like most first house moons would. But I do think that people would see those... Taurus qualities in her first house too because she's obviously beautiful also this puts her Venus in Pisces in the 12th house but conjunct the ascendant so bringing that conjunction conjunction to the ascendant um allows for a lot of like physical beauty but I feel like in the 12th house it definitely speaks to her karmic relationships and like looking for this endless um boundless love love with no boundaries which obviously can be bad sometimes or no wait isn't usually bad um and Venus and Pisces definitely like idealizes their lover and may not see them for like exactly who they are or only see the good parts of them and yeah I feel like in the 12th house also like it brings it to the subconscious a bit so I feel like it's only so slightly hard for her to connect to that part of herself and understand herself in relation to other people and her values. Like, it's so close to who she is, but for some reason it's like she just can't, like, access it in her conscious mind too easily. This also puts her Mars at 22 degrees in Scorpio in the 8th house which seems very maddy to me. Um, 22 degrees is the killer be killed degree, and it's kind of like a lose-lose situation most of the time. And with this being her chart ruler, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it definitely speaks to a lot of, like, the abusive relationships she has been in or um, just, like, general intensity around her... F- how she physically asserts herself in the world and what that attracts from other people. And I feel like Mars in the eighth house can often attract like people who suck that energy out of a person, like energy vampires, dude. And um, Mars in Scorpio is obviously pretty intense and well, it's like at home there. So it's not like bad or anything, but I feel like having those, like having her chart ruler be, Mars and at its in its home sign adds up for her yes and then what else I guess just to go back to her son it would be conjunct Neptune and Uranus and with those being like the outer generational planets I feel like this actually puts like um I 
feel like, I feel like I don't know where I was going with that. So I don't know. (laughs) And that's it for the speed read of Maddie. I hope you enjoyed it. Okay, next up, we're going to Cassie. So for Cassie, I have her born on July 8th, 2000 at 9.45 p.m. in East Highlands, California. They're all born there, so yeah. Um, This makes her Pisces rising with a Cancer sun and a Libra moon. And I had a lot of trouble kind of... um, making this chart because it I felt all of these energies of like Pisces, Libra, Cancer, even some Gemini um but I didn't know how to make it all work together and I'm still not sure if this is working exactly the way I want it to but it gives her a really big Cancer stellium in the fifth house um which I think ultimately speaks to the way that like she is seen as this like beautiful innocent person although we all like kind of know that's not true (laughs) okay so I think definitely Pisces rising she's like definitely a water rising because she'd be crying also she just has those like big water eyes and everything and she seems so ruled by Neptune to me because like it's like what is this girl even thinking you know like she's just kind of a little bit all over the place and that's okay um well well (laughs) it's okay to be all over the place it's not okay to like do the things she did because of it um but yeah also her co-ruler would be Jupiter I feel like she has a lot of issues with boundaries and also like leaning into the more indulgent parts of life despite the morality of it all (laughs) um pisces risings are also like well not every pisces rising but you know it's more likely for the ability to like dissociate uh or compartmentalize parts of yourself i guess that would be kind of more virgo but they're sister signs so um compartmentalize in like a way where you just forget parts of yourself to not um in the way that she just like was with Nate and then she was with Maddie and she like didn't feel bad about it because I feel like she just like forgot the other part of herself um so that she wouldn't have to confront anything hard in her life and play the good old water sign victim which is um yeah yeah so with this big old cancer stellium the fifth house I just think (laughs) that she definitely um romanticizes or not I guess that's like not the word I want to use but like idealizes that's a better word the relationship with her father with who he is and I feel like cancer sons tend to um, overall, even if it, like, wasn't true, like, had this idea of, like, I have a nurturing father figure or some type of journey within that is very important to, um, shaping their ego. And in the fifth house, I feel like maybe this is, like, um, 
maybe this is jumping to conclusions, <laughs> but I think that sometimes fifth house placements can be very, again, like self-centered in the way where they're just like focused on their own pleasure and their own um, creativity, like what they can bring to the world. And I guess I'm like looking on the more negative side because I don't really fucking like Cassie. Um, but yeah, this also puts Mercury and Mars very close to her sun. And this is just like giving me all of her victim energy and the way that she just like plays this innocent person um, definitely leans into her own emotions. Like when she started crying, when Maddie found out about her fucking Nate, like, come on. <laughs> but also I feel like with her, like, I don't think she like, I don't think she genuinely was like, okay, I'm going to make myself cry right now. Like, I do think that she actually, like as a character, she would cry, but that doesn't mean like, it's not manipulative, um, or has manipulative, um, after effects. I can't think of the word. This also puts her Venus in Cancer in the fifth house too, along with the North Node. Oh, it's like very tightly conjunct the North Node. So this is like, yeah, devouring. She has this like strong obsession with her, um, this need to create a family or like feel nurtured okay okay I got it to she has this great need and desire to create this relationship that will fulfill the needs that she didn't get while growing up within her childhood specifically from her father okay I do remember why I made this chart that all makes sense and Venus in the fifth is also like pretty romantic flirty fun and everything but I think can definitely be more self-concerned with um love in in their own relationships <laughs> sometimes I feel like I say things and I hope you guys just understand when I put the words together because as long as all the words are there like you can you can put them together and figure it out so those two placements the North Node and Venus are making a square to the moon in Libra in the 8th house. And this is definitely... Okay. That's like... Bringing... Okay, yeah. That's like a really tough relationship with that selfish need to um, fulfill this own part of herself her within her love life and do the things that she needs to do in order to like fill that void with this like also her moon in the eighth house which is like just feeling everything so deep and wanting this like true deep connection with another person in Libra in order to um feel emotionally fulfilled and I think that it's making a square because as we see throughout the series, like she never really has that true emotional bond with another person. She's more like trying to search through like different guys, which is, you know, not like inherently wrong in itself, but I think that it does hurt her own relationships, obviously. 
and um and I think that also hurts her like deeply internally and people don't see that she like is deep in that way <laughs> because it's in the eighth house so yeah that also is just like showing a lot of her relationship with her mother obviously in the eighth house it's like ooh scary bad bad trauma and then Libra it's like oh but we try to make it look all good whatever and a lot of social dynamics I don't know why I don't feel like um, explaining it fully <laughs> but yeah I guess that's my chart for Cassie who's up next okay next up we have my girl Lexi Howard so I have her born on September 7th, 2001 at 6.55 a.m. Because she would be born right when the sun rises. And this makes her a 12th house sun <laughs> in Virgo, which I love because I'm also a Mercury 12th house sun. And she also has a Virgo rising because um, let's be honest, she's just very Virgo. And if you take a look at this chart, there's so many aspects, like so many lines just crossing around each other it's kind of very chaotic but at the same time her planets are like very spread out throughout the houses so that also means that she's pretty well balanced but also with well balancedness <laughs> can come a lot of like chaotic and um clashing energy so along with those two earth signs, she also has an earth moon. Her moon is in Taurus in the eighth house. See how both Lexi and Cassie have Venus ruled moons in the eighth house. That is how you see familial astrology. <laughs> and I feel like I also take that into consideration when making both of their charts. So it was kind of hard um, to get the right timing for both of them for me. So... I definitely think Lexi is a Virgo rising just by the way she looks, you know, so prim and props. Um, and the way she naturally approaches the world. She's pretty um, reliable, put together, analytical, smart. Like, she loves books and writing <laughs> and communicating. And I feel like with her son in Virgo in the 12th house, like, that's also very true to who she is. But she doesn't always feel seen. Um about that and she has both sun and moon in like the deep dark scary houses the 12th and the 8th house <laughs> at least in my opinion those well not even <laughs> it's just what other people think my perception of other people's perception that doesn't even make sense so yeah um also definitely speaking to her relationship with her father 12th house sons don't really see their dad you know he's like invisible he went away and with her son being in Virgo I feel like it's very different her perception of her father versus Cassie's son in Cancer like and we see that in the show where Cassie is very like feeling like he's a nurturing caring presence whereas Lexi is more anxious and um kind of worried about how he his okay kind of worried about his health and also his ability to function in the world and I think that affects her on a deeply subconscious level and even though she's a Virgo rising 
she still has a hard time seeing those parts of herself. I feel like if you listened to my last episode, you might know a little bit about um, 12th House Sons and how that relates to childhood. And I feel like when I watched the show, I saw a lot of myself in Lexi, just like with her, specifically like her family dynamic being um, a child to a single mother with an older sister and her relationship with her sister also really resonates with me. And I also think that there's just so many scenes of her like feeling so invisible and um, I feel like that's a big theme throughout season two where we see her um, just constantly observing and taking the notes and eventually creating this masterpiece, this, this masterpiece of a play and that is like her time to shine and even then like Cassie comes in and ruins it Pluto in the third house lots of um chaotic chaotic shit to do with siblings and with her Pluto being so close to her I see um that really bleeds into her family life obviously siblings family this chart also puts her Mercury her chart ruler in Libra in the first house, which I think is so beautiful for her and speaks to her ability to not only have this like Virgo approach to life and being organized and like analytical and everything, but she's able to take that information and communicate it to the world in such a beautiful and like confident way. And I think that having Mercury in the first house while the sun in the 12th house is kind of a blessing because even though like the sense of self feels a little bit invisible at least she's like able to be heard when she wants to or I guess just naturally I don't have any first house placement so I wouldn't know (laughs) but yeah this chart also puts her again I think I talked about it a little bit earlier her moon in Taurus in the eighth house and I think her moon in Taurus is really shown in the way that she is just so able to like calmly and collectively um process and like yeah process her emotions like I feel like she is kind of the most sensible and like level-headed person in the show and I think like having an exalted moon Um, a moon that is able to, (sighs) actually, I don't know. I was going to say like, I was going to say having a moon that's able to like be so secure, but also looking into her childhood, I'm not really sure where she is able to, um, have that much like grounded security. And maybe that because it's in the eighth house that's why it's so confusing for other people like maybe we just don't see like those deeper parts of herself yeah this also puts her venus and leo in the 11th house so i feel like she is just gonna be really great in a relationship with fezco <laughs> or actually i take that back her relationship with rue because i'm a rexy stan 
always have been from season one. So yeah, that's Lexi. Also, this puts her, um, actually, I'm not done. <laughs> this puts her Mars at 29 degrees in Sagittarius, which is interesting. Maybe if I like, nope, I couldn't. If I changed the chart, if I made it a little bit later, it would mess up the rest of the chart. But like if she was born a little bit later in the day, she could have, or the next day she could have a Mars and Capricorn, which I think might be more popular, <laughs> a more popular opinion for other people. But I honestly see the Mars and Sagittarius, like when she was like saying the word bitch <laughs> during the play, I was like, yeah, I see it. Okay. Bye, Alexi. Now we're going to Icky, Icky Nate. Ew. Okay, so Nate has like the biggest bunch of red lines in his chart like all together it's not cute so he was born on july 13th 2001 friday the 13th uh, oh my god he would at 3 55 p.m he is a scorpio rising because he just has to be different uh cancer sun because he has mommy daddy issues and an aries moon because he has anger issues not all Aries moons, okay? <laughs> but Nate, definitely. <laughs> For Nate, definitely. So Nate has a few planets in the first house. Okay, wait, first of all, he's Scorpio rising, blah, blah, blah. And his chart rulers, if you want to count them both, Mars and Pluto are both retrograde in the first house. In the first house. In the first house. So... This is just, like, really putting the focus on him. <laughs> Nate is all about Nate. And Nate is all about his physical aggression in the world. His extreme, I don't know, extreme inclination to repress his emotions and also blow up. So, like, just this, like, repressed anger... Okay, wait, not repressed anger. He's just, like, full-on angry. But there's also some repression there. With, with Pluto and Mars being so close, these are, like, two really bad malefic plants. I'm only talking so big bad because it's me and I don't fucking like him. So with these two planets so close, it's just, like, a big tornado. And it's all happening in his first house. And it's, like, th this guy really... <laughs> has a lot going on. He's a Scorpio rising, automatic trauma right there. And we all see it, you know, his dad, his dad, his mom, his mom's actually a cunt. Like, I don't like her. And then his Chiron's also in the first house. I don't really want to go into that because I don't want to, I don't want to acknowledge the fact that he has the ability to heal others because, you know, we all have the placement. Yeah. And then, okay. So Pluto and Mars are being this, like, really big opposition to, oh, wow. It's Venus and Saturn in the seventh house in Gemini. So those parts of himself are fighting with, like, his relationships. Okay, I just feel like I don't even want to explain it too much, but that definitely just shows me his, like, trigger wording um 
tendency to lean towards towards abuse in relationships. And I feel like when I talk about these things, it's it's not like any everyone with this placement would have it. And I would never like diagnose someone from just seeing a chart without knowing them. But like, I feel like I'm able to say that because he's a character on television. Okay, so Saturn conjunct... Saturn conjunct Venus in the seventh house in Gemini. That's definitely like, okay, a lot of restriction around relationships and like this understanding of what relationships should be. I don't even know how to explain it, but that is just telling me like everything to do with his father and him not understanding his, his personal like wants and desires within relationships like Gemini very open-minded very like (laughs) very (laughs) non-binary um very like you know no gender roles here and he has so many grapples with that Saturn's like throwing him all these life lessons and then he's literally taking out on everyone around him because the seventh house is around other people and then his girlfriends have to deal with it because he doesn't freaking know how to because it's making an opposition to Mars and Pluto in the first house, which are both retrograde. And he's just like, I don't know how to deal with this. So let me take it all out on you. Yep. That's it. Then he has an eighth house son. Do you notice how many eighth house placements are in (laughs) these characters? Also fifth house placements. So he has an eighth house son echoing back to Scorpio energy, his father giving him trauma, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like the cancer... Oh, wow. Okay. It's also intercepted. So he, even though he's a cancer son, he obviously doesn't, isn't like a big emotional person. I feel like the cancer part of it, it just has to do with like emotions being a very significant factor in his journey of life and him having to figure that out. And I feel like with this being in the eighth house, automatically like him actively hiding it and then also intercepted, just adding another layer for him not being able to connect with that energy because it simply was not around him. It shows that that's like such a deep want and desire within him to have this like healthy, caring, nurturing family um, and to be a healthy, nurturing, caring person and father one day. Um, but he just deeply does not know how to do that at all. And I feel like this placement kind of, kind of shows how his dad had that like perfect good dad facade for everyone to see. Like everyone in the town thought that he was like, They were the perfect family, all of that, when, like, we all know that they weren't. And in his chart, his chart is like, yeah, we know that's, like, not true, but we also know that you're going to show everyone that. Okay, finally, he has an Aries moon in the fifth house. Um, I don't know if there's just, like, much to say. Like, I feel like you can figure that out. It's making a square to his son, so a little, little tip for people learning astrology a good sun square moon automatic like automatic 
disconnection or fight or like, I don't know, something like that between the parents. So that like there, your, your father is instilling these beliefs in you that directly conflict with the ones that your mother do mother, the ones that your mother does. <laughs> um, I feel like the Aries moon specifically really works out in relationship to his mother because of that one time that where she was like, yeah, I know that you hit Maddie and that's okay because you were just sticking up your mom. <laughs> like very like, um, very, what's it called? Emotional incest within families. Like very much that, you know? And I think we talked about like fifth house placements. I feel like that the the bad parts of fifth house placements really shows in Nate Jacobs. So, so, so yes. Okay, so that's it for Nate's chart. Um, we got through a few of them. So proud of myself. We still have a few more to go, but I think I've hit my like 30 minute talking limit. There's not an actual limit. Like, I actually would love to aim to have longer episodes, but this is just all I feel I have the energy for, and I want to be sustainable and listen to my moon. So I think I'm all done for today. But I'm just glad and really proud of myself that I even did anything, and I hope you enjoyed this and are excited to hear about Jules and Kat and Fez and... Who else do I have left? Maybe I'll pull up a chart for Ashtray. And maybe Gia. Maybe we'll do that. So, yeah. I don't think I'm going to ed- edit this episode. <laughs> of course, I would literally mess up as I was saying that. Um, I don't think I'm going to edit this episode because my battery is at 15%. Uh, And I think that if I just export it and upload it, we can get it uploaded and, 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 and my battery won't have died yet. I love forgetting what I'm talking about in the middle of my sentence. One of my favorite things to do, if you haven't noticed, I wonder how many times I said, um, and anyways, and like. Those are the words I'm trying to um, lessen in my vocabulary, but no promises. I hope you enjoyed and be sure to come back next week. Actually, I don't know if I'll have one up next week because I will be in the desert watching Harry Styles sing and Brockhampton. So, yes. I never know how to end this. So, yes. Goodbye. Love you.